Hi, this is Rachel and Recover. We're back with Allison, and she's going to tell the rest of her story. Um, tell, tell us about the book on the runaway days, and can I play it safe? When in 2008, I was able to release two um, children's books at the, at the time uh, through Free Spirit Publishing, which has since uh, changed name as a publishing company. Um, uh, teacher resources, but the the idea of wanting body safety to be diverse, positive, inclusive, not that black and white like brochure that you pull out once a year, and, you know, it's like, um, and everyone's nervous about it, whatever. But just have it be a part of the bookshelf, part of the so I can play it safe. It's just a book about body safety um, on those runaway days. Are what to do when you're carrying around problems that are grown up problems when you're a kid, like. You have that backpack full of grown-up problems and your kid, what do you do? And who can you take out, uh, you know, who can you take out those problems and talk about it um, with? Who are your five adults that make up your net? And we say five because sometimes it's the person on the net who's breaking the rules and we have four more people to tell or it might be embarrassed to tell a parent, but we're willing to tell this person. So building safety nets for kids, letting them know that if they're carrying problems that feel too big, that they're allowed to get help for those problems. And instead of running away, that they can ask for help. Um, and so it's two two books that uh, came out in the world and, and continue to do well. And um, I always love just to see the the different books that continue to come out that that handle body safety in ways that are um, helpful, approachable, positive. Uh, my my kiddo really likes the one about bodies, boundaries, and consent, right? And she was <laughs> this is we were it's like the real world. You learn the things. She was. We're reading the book, and then a few days later, she's getting ready for her school pictures, right? Fall picture day, um, for preschool. And she was like, "Mom, I really need nail polish for my preschool pictures." I'm like, mm, "It's your face. It's it's just your face. You you don't need nail polish." Like, I I will smile bigger if I have nail polish. I'm like, "You're four. You don't need nail polish. We're good." And it was this ongoing back and forth. And she's looking. She was well, "Mom, it is your job to help keep me safe in my body. It is my job to make the decisions about beauty." I was like, "Oh." Right. Okay. So we, we got, we made the, I said, you can do one finger and then she came down with one finger on each hand and that was fine. It was all good. Like it was back and forth, but just that idea of like having, you know, having the conversations about bodies, consent, boundaries, like making that easy. And, and even just having that vocabulary, I wasn't expecting her to pull that one out of her back pocket, but um, you know, the, to normalize conversations around autonomy and, uh, and, and to have that back and forth is, Yeah, that can be super helpful. Yeah, I I grew up in a family with brothers, and my dad would read us the Where Do I Come From book, like, every so often. It was, you know, the sperm with the top hat. I don't know, it was a 1970s. And I just thought it was just like every other book in our bookshelf until my cousin spent the night. And dad was like, what do you guys want to read? I'm like, where do I come from? And he's like, no, I don't know what your cousins know about their body. Let's pick a different book. It's like, well, it's so good. You know, but just having that, like, the normalization of conversation about like what are body parts and what are, what are, you know, tips and tools around safety and, and, and normalizing that it's just something else that we learn about and that we talk about um, was hugely helpful and, and gave me words when I was a kid, when I needed them to, to have that sort of as a baseline. Um, and so, yeah, just the idea of being, being one of many authors who, who want to equip kids with good information about bodies is, is a joy. And, I, and they also keep you humbled. A little boy at church is like, I love your books, Allison. I was like, thanks, Nicholas. He's like, yeah, they're 
they're one of the few books I have that is a hard cover. So like I can really roll my matchbox cards over them like really easy. And I was like, hmm, thank you. Like, you know, they, they keep you real. They keep you humble. <laughs> well, you know, at least he appreciates yeah, it. Yeah, you know, if it's the matchbox racing car book and then every so often he opens it up and, and knows that he's allowed to listen to his uh-oh feeling and tell someone if his uh-oh feeling is going off, then like win-win, right? Win-win. Yes. Um, can you tell us about the new textbook that is out on sex crimes? Yeah, when I was getting my master's, I, I was frustrated with the books that I was given on sex offenders and sex crimes. So I felt they were all like celebratory of like, do you know this serial killer? And like, and I felt like they were just really not trauma informed. And I was um, actually I was TAing Dr. Clifford, who, who wrote the class, who wrote the book textbook with me. I was TAing for class and we had just watched this horrible, I mean, it was helpful, but it was horrible. This horrible like, documentary saying about a guy who had like abducted and abused his children. It was, it was rough. And so the, the students were leaving class for the day. And one of the boys looked at another boy. He's like, what are your plans this weekend? He's like, well, first I'm going to go home and cut off my penis after seeing that movie. And then I'm going to, you know, they were just, but just this idea of like leaving these classes, just feeling like there's, what can we do? about it and Dr. Clifford did a great job of doing like calls to action and things you could do but I just feel like the the texts were very like you know they it's not the book you just want to like have out on the coffee table right it was just like really intense and, and didn't feel like that it really handled prevention so and kind of like an anti an assault yeah, exactly like what the books that I read on the when I don't want someone to sit with me on the airport it's like oh Predator by Dr. Anna and it's a great book but also, if you open it up, no one talks to you at the airport. It's a good, it's a good buffer book to have. I've, there's certain books that's like, oh, I'm going to pull this one out, and no one will talk to me at the airport if I'm feeling introverted, which I'm a raging extrovert, but even raging extroverts don't necessarily want to talk to someone on an airplane for a while. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that's one of my airplane books. But Sex, Sex Crimes, and Offenders, uh, which is the textbook that Dr. Clifford and I wrote, is is one that could also be used in a similar vein. But it's it's a, a book that's used by college students who are studying sex crimes. It hopefully comes from a more trauma-informed lens. That's the goal. I can see that. Yeah, I've read Predator. It's a good book, but it's it's rough. I I I, I never I'll never forget suggesting um, Gavin De Becker's book, um, The Gift of Fear, to a friend of mine. Or I was protecting the gift. I suggested to a friend of mine who is a dad of three kids. Um, and he's someone who military background, um, very like, and he was like, I, I could have it do it in very small like bits because the, when you're reading a chapter and you're imagining your kiddo in that situation, it's like, I had to do it in very, very small chunks. So um, I also suggested that book to a college student who was doing an internship and she came in my office and she's like, what's a pager? Like, He's talking about a pager. What is that? And I was like, mm, "I'm." That's a good reminder of my age. And uh, I will tell you what a pager is and how we wore them in 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 the aught two thousands. But yeah, just that idea of um, read, reading those books and 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 thinking about the proactive aspect of which of them, which is great. But also, it's 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 a lot. It's a lot to read before bed, right? Not not necessarily a book. No. no, 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 no. There's a lot of, I, I'm only allowed to read like happy books before yeah. bed. One, and you also try to avoid things that are very close to your work just for balance. I remember I was getting my master's and like 
Twilight was really popular at that time. And I was like, okay, great. Escapism about vampires that's like written for a young adult. Like that will just balance out all this like sex. And then there was a, uh, one of the characters is, has experienced a sexual assault and a very like, and I remember just throwing the book down and be like, come on, this is supposed to be like my escapism. And now we're, we're back to, we're back to real, you know, the, the realities of, of sexual violence happening in all different kinds of communities, vampires included, apparently. So yeah, it is. Sometimes it comes out of nowhere with no, with no, uh, no prep. Yeah. I tried to read, I was reading like the little, the Disney movie, like adult books, like they took like all the stories and then they kind of made them a little more adult, like a young adult series. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm going to stick into because I, yeah, I sometimes get, I was like reading the wicked, like the musical theater show wicked is based on a book. Um, and halfway through the book, I was like, Oh, Oh, this is okay. We're, we're doing a sharp right turn here into into things that are not not G-rated and and not um not escapism. So, yeah, it's a yeah you know. that can be really tricky, especially especially like with the knowledge that we have now. We go back and we watch it as like either a kid or read a book from when we were a kid. I'm like, wow, that was really dark. Right? Babar. I was my. I was like, oh gosh, his parents die in the first book. Like this, oh yeah. yeah and Bambi, I can't do. I can't do uh, Dumbo. Can't can't do Dumbo. So it's yeah. It's always it's always an adventure. What works, and I think that was. There's also like your safety shows of like Veronica Mars is is my opinion the best show ever written, and I I can just have them in the background and watch them, and like I know how it's gonna end, and it's a comfort like loop, and I don't have to be worried or anxious. I'm just like, yep, Veronica Mars is gonna save the day. Yeah, we're just you just have that in the background and be okay with it so i think there's also that as like a a self-care piece of like i don't want to invest in conflict and trauma at the end of the day working in conflict and trauma let me watch veronica mars again and know that it's gonna be all right yeah i feel that way about small yeah keeps Your comfort safe. shows absolutely those are that's that's a a buffer a buffer experience and you can engage with media when you know how each episode's gonna end it's like yep I'll watch that again because I know how it's going to end. Um, what do you do for self-care? Yeah. Uh, theater is, uh, well, I so my self-care strategies have shifted uh, with COVID because a lot of, I was very involved in camping, um, working at a, a theater music camp every summer, um, doing a lot of theater stuff and both being a parent and um, really trying to put public health at the forefront. A lot of the activities that were my usual like balance activities I had to change or switch. Um, and I, I think, so as a, so I've been working on a project, I'm speaking at a conference in May um, in Minnesota and the presentation that I'm doing is uh, how do you parent when you know too much, right? Like how can you, be a parent when you work in this world. And it was a completely selfish thing for me because I was trying to figure it out. Like I've been in this field for a long time, but then things shift when in a caregiver role or in a parent role. And I, I don't want to gatekeep what it means to be a parent or what it means to be a caregiver because different people have different, like if, if that's how they see themselves, you're welcome to see yourself that way. You know, um, absolutely. But I, so I've been doing all these interviews with people who are, um, who do this work and our parents, I think I've done like 16 or 17 interviews as I'm prepping for this presentation and just the, what I'm hearing from 
people in the field is, is the fact of less about self-care as an individual, more about like community care, right? Like, do we live in a state that allows for maternity leave? Like, do we live in a, a place that, that do we work for people who put wellness at the top of the agenda um, and, that, and that allow for wellness opportunities, right? So that idea about seeing self-care less about me taking a walk every day and more about like, do I have access to therapy? Do I have access to uh, community help? You know, so I think, I think it's a both and, but I think we, um, I, I engage in things just as an individual, like taking walks to clear my brain or hanging out with, with my kiddo who brings me great joy and makes life very fun. Um, and, you know, dogs, dogs and babies, you know, those kinds of basic things that are, that are helpful. But it's also that idea of like, um, do, do I have people that I can call to just say, Hey, can you help me out tonight? Or can you help me with this thing? Or, um, Hey, I'm really struggling with this. And what did you do when you struggled with this? So just sort of knowing who my safety net of people are, uh, and accessing that when I need it. Um, big fan of therapy, big fan of, um, of therapy. I, as well as for me, I've, I've found spiritual direction to be an added bonus to work with the spiritual director of what is God saying in this moment? And, and how do you see God working in this moment? Not as a substitute for therapy, but as a, just another addition. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I, I do my own self care, uh, with, and, and seeing a lot of musicals and live music and concerts and things like that. I'm super excited to see pink this summer. Like I can't wait. Um, yeah. So live music, um, and, but, and creation, creating things like I can't necessarily direct full musicals right now in my life, but finding things to, to create, um, and then, and then doing what I can to advocate for community care. Um, and it would be a huge self care piece for me if I wasn't, if, if our, you know, it, I, I know it's the idea of where we're at with the country when it comes to guns and like, and, and what that means as a parent and, and what that, how, how to parent through how, what, what's going on there. Like that's, that's something that really messes with, with my ability to see the world as, as a safe place um, and, and, and to parent and effectively when my, when, you know, our kids are doing, trying to figure out where would be a safe place in our house to hide if there was a shooter, right? Like those kinds of questions that they shouldn't be asking. So I think we still have a long way to go in, making kids and families a priority in our culture. Um, and uh, I mean, free school lunch is great. And I'm super excited about that, but the, you know, but just things like that, like it, COVID was a, a huge reflection to me of, of the kids coming class is, is how I saw it. And that was really hard, you know, to wait for years after my vaccine was approved, for my child to be vaccinated, just like the um, a big, I think a big part of self-care is, is asking how the kids are doing and responding accordingly. Um, how does this impact your faith doing this work? For me, it's, it, my faith has been a huge, um, it's a huge part of the way that I see the world. It's a huge, it's a safe space for me. It's a, uh, but I think there's also, parts of it where, again, um, people with bad intentions are, are going to go to where the kids are. And so I've also had experiences where um, places that felt safe and sacred were no longer um, felt safe and sacred to me. And, and so it's 
part of it is just investing in prevention. I'm, I'm really thankful at the, at the faith community that I attend, the the priest and the, and the youth minister and the, and the director of the youth program, they've all attended our Keeping Faith, the two-day training that we do twice a year. Um, I, I feel like, you know, macro sense, like people are, but I also, there's always so much more that can be done. There's so much more of what I, my biggest frustration is when people say, well, I've already, I've already been trained. I've already, I'm good. Like I've been trained, like that there's like a, a minimum bar. And when you've passed that, like you're good. And it's like, yeah, you might've been trained, but I go through CPR training very regularly because I don't think that I'm necessarily going to remember my CPR thing from, you know, babysitting training from whatever ago. And so the, the idea of like, yeah, I've been trained, I've got it. And it's like, well, it's ongoing, it's continual certification, it's continual, um, there's, you're not done, like you're never done in, in checking a box and being like, okay, my faith community will now not be touched by, by this problem because checkbox, I've done that webinar, right? So I think um, I, for me, my, the faith, my faith community has been hugely helpful in um, being a place Whereas a kid, I was allowed to speak and have a voice and a vote and, uh, and, and learned early on about involvement in helping make the world better. But I, I, um, I also know we have a long way to go. And I'm, as someone who did youth ministry for a very long time um, and continue to be involved in youth ministry, there, there are a lot of, um, yeah, there are a lot of holes and pockets and places that, that that we are not living out what we should be living out and that, that we could be doing better. And again, making kids the priority as a goal. There's a conference coming up. Can you tell us a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, one of the things that we do, so Jacob Weiderling Resource Center is a program of Zero Abuse Project, which is the larger sort of umbrella organization that we fall under. Um, and they're invested in getting people together who are passionate about this work, who are passionate about prevention, who are passionate about response, frontline um, professionals who work in child abuse as forensic interviewers and, and, um, and in other roles. And so we do an annual conference every year. And this year it's coming up in Florida, um, which is a wonderful, you know, there's, uh, you know, Orlando, there's a lot to do when you're not in classes. So it's, it's June 7th for the Forensic Interview and National Peer Review. And then June 8th and June 9th are the sessions, merging issues in the field, research update, um, male victims, uh, secondary traumatic stress, uh, you know, religion and race and corporal punishment. So just some really interesting uh, topics for people who work in the field and want to stay connected. And one of the things I love about conferences, you know, there's the sitting down and the getting information, which you could do in a Zoom, but it's the sitting down next to someone and where are you from and what do you do and building those connections so that when you are stuck, when you are frustrated, when you've hit a wall, oh, I met that person at the conference, I'm going to call them, see if they have any ideas. It's great to meet people from other states who don't, have this, don't know the same people you do so that you can get opinions and thoughts. Um, and, and the idea of you know networking sounds so sort of static, but investing in those relationships and meeting new people, um, that's something that I've missed very much uh, with COVID. I love being able to train online, but one of the beautiful things about being an in-person conference is to turn to that person next to you and actually build connections and build memories and, and have those people to call when you need to. So emerging issues in the field, um, you can go to our website, zeroabuseproject.org, to get all things uh, summit information or Google Summit Zero Abuse Project and get information. It's, you know, June 
uh, it's it's like a month from today. So the the excitement is building, and, and there'll be great people there doing great work. Okay, uh, sounds excellent. Um, I think that's it. Is there anything else you would like to add that we did not ask or talk about? I just I think that it's um, just so important, and I'm just so thankful for the opportunity to, to talk about prevention, because a lot of when we're talking about abuse is after there's been a problem, after there's been, um, you know, how did this happen? How can we pick up the pieces and be able to talk about prevention before there's a problem is, is life-giving and empowering. And uh, for people who really want to be invested in prevention, you know, seek out your resources, come and, uh, you know, take a look at zeroabuseproject.org. Join our mailing list as one organization to learn more about, but um, just note there are people out there who who want to get upstream uh, in this problem in this problem um, and and to be able to do a better job of of responding when something bad happens. So we can all, you know, there's no checkbox to I've learned everything there's there is to learn in this field. It's it's ongoing and it's changing, and survivor voices can help lead us. The last thing I'll say is is Zero Abuse Project recently. Um, launched Survivor Space, which is a, a website for with a lot of resources um, for survivors and by survivors. And uh, the more that we can encourage voices uh, speaking up on behalf of prevention, the better off we are as a as a culture and a country. Oh yes, and we'll we'll list those um, resources at the bottom of this episode and. I thanks for coming on our show and talking to us and telling us um, about the conference and telling us about the new things that are coming into play with um, prevention yeah. work. Because thanks for creating this space. Less- it's, it's a powerful space to be invited into. So thank you. You're welcome. All right, um, all right, guys. Tune in next week, um, Thursday at 10 a.m. Always follow us on your favorite social media platform or podcast platform and if you have any questions reach out to rachelonrecovery.com and we're also on youtube so find us there if you want to subscribe thanks